What's up, guys? Appreciate you guys stopping by. Zach Kirkett, Idea Addict. I just want to start off by talking a little bit about music. And I think it's... I've been really just been thinking a lot about music the last, like, couple weeks. And if you haven't noticed, there's, like, been some, like, bad shit going on in the world. And I feel like there's always bad shit going on in the world, but sometimes it's a little bit worse. And I think that, like, bad shit happening in the world and people's attitudes are like linked to the kind of music we listen to. Now hear me out, don't get pissed. But so like about for the last 15 years, music has fucking sucked. It's been absolutely terrible. Over the last 15 years, the amount of like album sales and like downloads and like touring of like modern day performers is like nothing. It doesn't even register compared to like 25 years, 30 years ago. So the music has sucked for the last 15 years. It also sucked throughout the 60s and early 70s. Music was fucking terrible back then. I mean, you had a few people um, in that time frame, uh, like Elvis and people like that. But I wanted to like talk about like the late 70s through like the early 90s. Specifically, what I've been obsessed with the last two weeks is 80s hair bands and, and 80s rock, like Ozzy Osbourne, uh, I've really been obsessed with Motley Crue and I've always like listened to, there's like a, a radio station here at Z92 and they like play rock. And I've always listened to Z92 like off and on since I was like a little kid when I first started like working construction when I was 15. Like if you want to frame a house or drywall a house and people like now my friends are doing like DIY shit at their houses, I was like, okay, like here's what you do. But like the most important thing is you have to have Z92 like playing in the background because it was playing on the background like my old childhood. So I've always like heard Motley Crue and all these other bands, but it's like now I like really understand. Like Motley Crue and like bands like that, but especially them, they like kick so much fucking ass. So much. And I was like doing some like reading about them. And like when they started the band in 1981, they were all like normal, like healthy looking, like t like early 20s, like late teens. Normal looking kids, right? Skinny. They obviously all had like great heads of hair, but it's like by 1989, they were on death's door because they were partying, partying so fucking hard. They have a lyrics in some of their songs that say like seven day, seven day weekend because they were just getting after it every day. They just kick so much fucking ass. And like the lyrics and the songs are like way more fun. Music isn't fun anymore. It's fucking stupid or it's just whiny. And you, you turn on the radio now and you got Drake telling you like which foot to put forward or to the side or whatever. But like, let me just let me just lift some lyrics from Motley Crue. Girls, 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 long legs and burgundy lips. Girls, 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 dancing down on the Sunset Strip. Girls, 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 red lips, fingertips. Trick or treat, sweet to eat, on Halloween and New Year's Eve. Yankee girls, you just can't be beat, but you're the best when you're off your feet. I mean, even just reading it like a stupid poem, it kicks fucking ass, right? That's a fun topic, and their songs are fast, and they're upbeat. And, like, if you go back and watch their videos, they're, like, it's awesome. It's like a, you and your buddies at a strip club, like, watching some shit. Anyway, so, like, obviously Motley Crue, but, like, think of the other bands that were, like, active in the 80s. ACDC, obviously, we don't need to go into that. Def Leppard, another band who absolutely kicks fucking ass. And I didn't like really realize 
I wasn't like a huge Def Leppard like fan um, until I started dating my wife and her dad is like really into Def Leppard. And so like whenever they come to town or near town, her dad like always goes to the concert. So now I go to a, a Def Leppard concert every year and it's good every year. And the funny thing about that is they tour every year and they, um, they sell like more tickets touring than almost any like modern, modern musical act. So if you go to like Rolling Stone at the end of every year, they always say like top 10, like grossing, like touring bands, or touring groups. And like Def Leppard is always in it. And one of the reasons is they have so many good songs. I like the fucking shit today. Another great band from back then is uh, Quiet Riot. And the really interesting, like fun fact about Quiet Riot is uh, their best song is Come On, Feel The Noise. But the funny thing about them is the lead singer of that band is the older brother of Dr. Debro from the show Botched on E. It's about plastic surgery. He's the guy that does like the tits and asses. Anyway, his older brother was the lead singer quite right. He's dead now. He died of a drug overdose. That's another impressive thing is literally all these, all these groups. First of all, everyone plays an instrument, which most people now musicians quote unquote now like don't play instruments the other like funny thing is they could kick ass on the instrument while they were high on uh heroin so let's take that into account anyway i just wanted to go on that little tangent and if you're like feeling down like put together a fucking playlist of 80s rock it is so fun and it just kicks fucking ass so um that weird thing i'm doing with my voice like Back when I was like trashing out houses, me and one of my friends, like <laughs> you like trashing out houses is like so miserable. So at the beginning, like I was doing a lot of the work. So me and one of my friends were like trashing out houses. And I was like, I need like a snack. Like, let's go get some candy. So we like went in this gas station. And we were like dicking around and like, I just need fucking candy. I want candy is what we were like saying. We thought it was really funny. And it was like in like a uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, which if you're not familiar with Lincoln, Nebraska, it's a fucking shithole. Everyone there is poor. Um, it's just gross. Like, it's not violent, but, it, like, it's just really fucking weird. So we were in, like, a weird part of town, of a weird town, doing this I want candy thing at this gross gas station and, like, an old woman working behind the counter, um, which you can always, like, tell you're in, like, kind of a bad or not kind of shitty poor part of town when, like, adults are working at jobs where, like, a child should be working. So this woman, this old elderly woman... She was probably literally 75. She was working behind the counter at a gas station. And we were like dicking around. And then this like guy came in. It And it's like 2000, I don't know, 12 or 13. This like white guy came in in a FUBU jersey, which, <laughs> so you already kind of know the kind of person this is. And he's like, oh, I have to shit. And he like came running in. And as he was like going in, my buddy that I was with was like going in the bathroom and he's like, it's a one stall, like locking the door. And this guy's like, oh God, no. And then he like went up to the old woman. He's like, can I please use the women's restroom? I'm going to shit my pants. And the woman's like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, please, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm having an accident. And she's like, don't make a mess. So, um... I'll always remember the I want candy thing and then the guy in a FUBU uh, jersey running in and almost shooting himself. So that was kind of a detour of what we're talking about. But I just thought that story is like always going to stick with me because it was 
just weirdness stacked on top of weirdness, but I'm gonna shit. Anyway. So anyway, so if you need like an attitude adjustment in these trying times, put together an 80s rock uh soundtrack on your Pandora or whatever you listen to, Spotify. And just like listen to some of these songs that kick ass. Um so I'm finally going to, back to Las Vegas. Thank God. I just need it. You know, every 90 days I'd like have to go on my pilgrimage to Las Vegas to blow money. And I, I know I said before, like Las Vegas isn't all about gambling, but it's a lot about gambling for me because I'm a degenerate gambler. Um, like about a year and a half ago, I went there and I lost $875 in like the first 30 minutes of gambling. And you know what? I loved it. That's my only vice I have left. I got to have something. But um, everything there is dirt fucking cheap now. It's literally amazing. I don't even care if I get COVID-19. First of all, I think I already had it. I don't fucking care. Like, if I have a good time in Las Vegas, I don't care if I get it. Um, but we're going to stay at the Mirage, and it's like 99 bucks a night. So we're, like, going to get a suite that faces a strip, and it's like 115 bucks a night. And direct airfare from here to there is 99 bucks per person one way. So our whole trip is going to be under $700. So that gives me a lot more money to like blow on gambling. Um, speaking of blowing money, um, I found a car. Like I'm not, I'm kind of a car guy. Like I like cars or whatever, but it's like, I've looked at like Porsches and like thought about buying a Porsche and like, thought about buying some other things before and it's just like I don't know like would the novelty like wear off of that but I found a I found an idiot totally idiotic car that I want to buy and it's a Dodge Challenger um and it's not a Hellcat it's like a Demon or something like that I should have done a little more research but I don't remember the exact name of it I think it's called the Demon but it has 840 fucking horsepower, and the supercharger on this thing is literally, like, the size of, like, two stacked-up briefcases. When you hear this car, it literally, like, makes all of the pores on your whole body, like, flush, because you're like, oh, my God, that's insane. I think it does 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. I believe they're, like, only about $100,000, which I know what you're saying. That's a lot of money, but a car that does 2.3 a zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds for a hundred grand. That's actually like kind of a good value. And I believe, I believe it has like out of the box, it has like 795 horsepower, but you can put, you can put fucking racing fuel in it and it has 840 horsepower. And I think it also comes with like street slicks for the back tires. It's totally insane. You know, I'm going to put the like, I'm going to put a link to the YouTube video of this car, like uh, in the show notes, just so you guys can go look at it. It's, I always listen to it like when I'm driving so I can really crank up the like sound because uh, this guy does like a test drive in it. It's a fucking totally insane. Anyway, so I, there's a, I'm like really excited about today's episode. I like have a lot of rants I want to talk about. Um, I love the music thing. I'm just totally obsessed with that. I think I'm like really onto something. I think I can like heal the nation with just like telling people, hey, like make a different playlist. Um anyway. Moving on. So something like this is something like I always think about, and I think that it's good for other people to think about this too. 
Because I think that a lot of times people are like, oh, I have to do things like a certain way. And then I have to like tailor my expectations for life around how I'm doing things that like everyone else wants me to do. Right. So I always say like, you know, your condition from the day you start going to school that you have to fit into like the box that like the world has made for you to like fit in. And for me, like I found that to be total bullshit and a total lie and totally disgusting. And I think that that's why so many people are like depressed and on antidepressants and they are, hate their jobs is because they're not everyone like fits into like this mold. I know I sure as hell don't. And <clears throat> so I just want you to think about like, what kind of life do you want to have? And I don't mean like something like total fantasy, but like, what do you want your like normal day to look like? Like, where do you want to be in 20 years? Like, what are the things you like want to accomplish that you like care about? Because I found myself in life making, I've been in situations where it's like, I'm doing something, I'm making a lot of money, but I like hate it and there's no meaning to it. And it doesn't make me like really, it doesn't like fulfill me. And I don't, you know, so like I had like a trash out business a property preservation business. And it was like, um, I made a, I made a lot of money, but I was like running around all the time and I was like working my ass off, which, you know, I was young, so it's not the end of the world, but I was just doing like a lot of activity to make the money. And I was literally working from like eight in the morning to 11 at night every day, basically. And so it's really easy to like get into like ruts where that shit is like controlling you and it's controlling your schedule and it's controlling your life. But I just want to talk a little bit about like, I think that's healthy, like every like 60 to 90 days to just like sit down. And, um, I'm trying to find a way to say this where it doesn't sound like new age and super gay, but, um, you seem to like sit down and like plan your life and like, think about what you want. And like, say like, here are the things that are important to me. Here's what like I want to do. So like, okay, for me, it's really important that I can like stay up late, not stay up late, but I like to stay up later and like read and like think about things and like rip podcasts and um, explore like different opportunities and um, and like watch TV. And then it's like important for me to like sleep in a, a little bit in the morning. And when I say sleep in, I don't mean like sleep until noon, but it's like, I don't want to go fucking fight traffic with all you idiots, uh, trying to get to work at eight o'clock. I would rather like get up at eight o'clock and then go to work at nine 30. So I'm not talking about like sleeping in and it's important for me to like, uh, work out. It's important for me to like get up in the morning and like spend time with my wife. So I'll kind of like tell you guys like, sort of my like daily routine and because like over the years I've like crafted this because these are the things that are like important to me like each day and I, I want you guys to think about like every day like what's important to you sitting in traffic and speeding into traffic and getting stressed out dealing with traffic isn't fucking important to me and I don't want to make it important so I don't I don't even deal with it so I'll just give you guys my like my daily routine and this is something that I'm always like trying to change so I always say like design your life and then backfill backfill those ideas with like how to make money. So, you know, every episode we're talking about like different ways to make money. There's literally like millions of ways to make money. You know, you can make things like I flip houses. I sell real estate. I like do remodeling. Other people, um, 
you know, sell stuff on the internet. Other people like write, they put out, do like content. I mean, there's like millions of different things. They'll make sure like whatever you're doing is like serving, serving your need, like wants and needs. And if it's not like make a change. So my daily routine is I wake up at um, between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Um, I don't wake up to an alarm. I just get up at that time. That's just the time that my body like gets up in the morning. And then I get up and you, my wife is already awake and my son is still asleep from his ne- like early morning nap. And uh, I make a cup of coffee. I sit down and I talk to my wife for um, probably like 15 to 20 minutes. And then we go in together and get my son up in the morning And then either I feed him or my wife feeds him and I like drink the rest of my coffee. Um, And I change clothes and I go to work, which work is either on my computer or right now it is a flip I'm working on that's a block away from my house. So I drive a block away to my house and then I'm at work. And then I work a couple hours there, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm meeting a contractor for a bit or if I'm like doing some carpentry or whatever. And then um, I meet my wife and son for lunch um, in the area, or I come home for lunch and then I wrap the day up at about four o'clock. So I'm not like exactly killing myself. And, um, I like to, I like to do carpentry and I like to do drywall and I like to do stuff like that because it like makes me feel good. Cause I like to, I like to move, you know, when I'm not doing a flip, like I'm on my computer all day. And after a while, like that gets like kind of fuck, like kind of boring and you're like tired of it and it doesn't, make you like feel that great because you're like not moving. So I think it's like important to like move your body. And it also makes you like feel good when you put in like a real day of work. So those are the things that are like important to me and I've crafted. Oh, and the other thing is I don't deal with any like customers during the day. I actually don't ever really deal with any customers. I put someone in between me and like my end buyer Uh, on my flips. And then the other thing I do, like when I'm selling real estate is I do the sales part, but I let somebody else handle the negotiations. I don't do any of that because I don't like it. Uh, I'm not good at it really. And I'm not ever going to probably be good at it. And I don't have enough time on the planet to like improve those skills. So I just delegate those things to somebody else that's better at it than I am. And, um, that's like worked out pretty good for me because I'm good at sales. I'm good at like, like reeling people in. I'm like approachable, but I like suck at the negotiating. So I don't do it. Pay someone else to do it. And that's, those are all the things that are like important to me. And then the other thing is like, I have like a lots of freedom in my life. So even though I flip houses, um, I don't like over leverage myself to where I can't pay my bills. Like I said in previous episodes, like I could probably go a year without making $1. And, and if you're self-employed, you like always have to think like that and you have to be prepared like that because you don't know what's going to happen. And then the other thing too is like, um, if something comes up and I want to like go do something, I don't want to be like, oh, I have like a really tight deadlines on these flips that I have to like meet. I want to be able to like have some leeway. So like for say, if like, like if there's, an opportunity for me to like go like on a vacation with my friends or like go skiing or like go to Las Vegas or like whatever, then like I have the time and money to go do it. And I think a lot of people like confuse time and money. And, um, this is what I always like told my wife and I tell my family this and I've like told my friends this, but 
You can always make more money. Money is like super easy to make. All you have to do is try, but you can never ever make more time. So like, just remember that. And then the other thing too, is people like think that they need way more money to live than they actually do. So they kill themselves with these jobs or these businesses that they hate. And then they realize, well, like, I, I only need like this much a month to like live. So it's like, why are you like fucking killing yourself to make like 20% more than you need to like live and fund a retirement? You're not going to get a fucking medal for that, you know? So that's kind of like my thing that I want you guys to think about is, um, is planning your life out and doing the things that like make you happy and make you like feel good. Um, because there's like no reason to kill yourself in my opinion. And trust me, like I used to like kill myself. I used to like grind myself into the ground. Then the other thing too, that's like really interesting is like back when I was like grinding really hard and like working every day and killing myself, I was actually making less money than I am now because you only have so much like capacity and chi in a day. And I would just run myself into the ground and get so tired. Right. Cause like on Monday, like, okay, I go out and like work for 12 hours then Tuesday, like, I'm totally shot, you know, I have no energy left, and it would affect, like, the next day, and then I would get really more tired on Tuesday, and then it would spill over to Wednesday, or whatever, whatever, so I was, like, never, like, thinking, I was just, like, trying to catch up all the time, so I was, like, missing opportunities to make more money with, like, less work, so it was actually, like, hurting me, so now, because I have more time, I have more energy, and because I have more energy. I'm not always trying to play catch up. I have more opportunity to like take up. I have more, I guess, vision and um, I'm aware and aware enough to like see new opportunities. So anyway, that's kind of my rant about that. <clears throat> so my idea I'm going to talk about today is um, it's near and dear. It's near and dear. And it's how to make money flipping houses. Well, it's not really a how to make money flipping houses. I'm just going to talk about flipping houses and uh, the pros and cons. And like, there's a couple different ways you can do it. And um, so basically, like when we're talking about flipping houses, we're talking about buying low and selling high. And that's pretty much it. No, I'm kidding. So it's buying low and selling high or it's buying low using forced appreciation to increase what it's worth and then selling higher even than like the market. So I'll kind of go like in depth. So there's basically like two ways that you can like flip houses, quote unquote. The first one is called a wholesale deal. And what, a, what wholesaling is, is you literally like find a cheap deal um, and then you put it under contract, but you don't buy it is how they, how it's like taught. Um, I'm not going to get like too far in the weeds on like everything. I'm just going to give you like an overview on this stuff because it's like very wholesaling is like very nuanced. People try to sell you courses like saying, Oh, it's so easy. You don't need any money. Well, that's not really true. You, you need money. You can't do like dry closings anymore, but I'm not going to get too into that. So a wholesale is basically you just like, um, you find a house that's cheap, you get it under contract. And then before you close on it, you find like an end buyer so just let's for say for easy math, um, I find a house in a neighborhood and the neighborhood, the houses are selling for 150 to 200. And I find somebody in this neighborhood that wants to sell me their house for 100,000. Um, 
and if it was, it's in like bad shape. So if it was fixed up, it might be worth 200. So what I do is I said, yeah, I'll buy your house from you for a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and I'll close on it in let's say 90 days. So in those 90 days, I try to find someone who will buy it from me for more than a hundred thousand. So like, let's say I, uh, find someone, I'm trying to find someone who will buy it from me for like 125. And then ideally, um, the same day you buy it, you sell it to the, to your buyer and you make the difference between what you buy it for and like what you sell it for. So in this case, the difference would be 25 grand. Now in your wholesaling, you can't make profits like 25,000. Um, I mean, you couldn't make that those big of spreads. So let's say on something like that, you can maybe make like five or 10 grand. And, and that's what I would say like wholesaling, that's like kind of the baseline, what you can make wholesaling is like five to 10,000. That's where I'm at. I mean, obviously like if you're on the coast, you might be able to make a little bit more, but you're not gonna like be making like huge, like huge amounts of money, like per deal. You're gonna be making smaller amounts, but theoretically, like you can do more wholesales than you can do um, uh, fix and flips. So the idea with like a wholesale is you're like gonna be doing lots of them. You're gonna be doing like volume and that's how you're gonna make lots of money. Um, I have never really like fucked with doing wholesaling because I know how to do fix and flips. So I don't have to find as many deals and I can make more money. Um, there's been some, some people I've seen that have like done it here locally where they like buy something and then they put it like on the multiple listings and they've like made money doing it. But I feel like for me, um, first of all, I have a real estate license. So if you, if you want to get into wholesaling, don't get a real estate license, because if you have a real estate license, you, you legally have to tell the buyer or I'm, I'm sorry. You legally have to tell the seller like what the house is like worth and you have to show them numbers if you're an agent. So if you want to get into wholesaling or house flipping, don't get a real estate license. Um, so I've never done it because I have to tell people exactly what things are worth. And if you're wholesaling, obviously don't lie to people, but like if you're wholesaling and you're like trying to get a good deal, if you don't have a real estate license, you don't have to like present the people numbers, if that makes sense. And I've heard of a lot of like good wholesaling deals here locally. Um, you know, like there's a bunch of different examples. Um, I heard of one where like a guy was selling his like daughter's house that he bought her because she was like going to prison for drug possession or something. Um, so weird. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit like that. And usually like to do like wholesaling, you like send out, you send out like postcards um, to find people that are interested in selling, you could like do stuff on Facebook. Um, I've sent out postcards before and I actually have got like people contact me wanting to sell their house. So it does actually work. Um, you also get people who are like yell and scream at you and like bitch you out. Some lady called me and I like hung up on her and then she called back and she's like, Oh, don't you ever fucking hang up on me. And I like hung up on her, like as she was saying that. Um, <laughs> So you get like some crazy people because she's like, how dare you send this? I have like renters in there. And it's like, lady, who fucking cares? Like, let it go. So um, that's wholesaling. Um, wholesaling is okay. It doesn't really like give me a heart, a boner. Um, I do fix and flips. And fix and flips, 
I really like doing fix and flips because you take something that's a piece of shit and you make it beautiful and then people like shower you with money. So let's go back to our example of a house that's for sale or the house that you find for sale or that you find that someone wants to sell. You can get it for $100,000, but maybe the neighborhood is worth 150 to like 200 at the time that you buy it. Now, in the current time, we're talking about where I'm at, and this could be different for where you're at. Obviously, um, there's some areas right now where the housing market is collapsing. Uh, you know, if if rioters are throwing bricks through your, your front, the windows of your house right now, it's probably not worth much. But in this example, like let's say the neighborhood is like worth 200. Well, if I buy this house and I like improve it, obviously, hopefully I'm gonna get comps that are gonna be a little bit over 200. Nothing crazy, let's say 205. But maybe my, my product's so good I can like push the envelope. Maybe I can get 207, 500 or 210. That's, that's what I would like, right? But instead of like the wholesaler, instead of getting five to 10 to like 20 grand, I'm gonna make like 50 or 60 or 70 grand. And I'm gonna do that because I'm not, because I'm going to like buy low and I'm gonna sell like the highest I can possibly get out of it for the, the, the least amount of improvement or I can make um, major improvements where I, I use something called forced appreciation. So something that I do a lot is I'll buy a house with an unfinished dormer and I'll finish the dormer and maybe put like a bathroom up there. And where I live, there's a certain part of town where um, yuppie middle upper class people like to live and there's a private school in the neighborhood and um these people like they're old houses they're like 1920s to 1940s and these yuppies just love these houses and what i do is i go in there and i take a piece of shit house that someone has been renting out or not taken care of or an old person's lived in for a long time and i fix it up really nice to where it can be it's beautiful and then i finish the dormer and i also put a bathroom in it and Technically, like on an appraisal, that would only should sp supposedly only get me like ten thousand dollars more um, having a finished dormer with a bathroom, but it actually in reality gets me about twenty five thousand dollars more, and it only cost me thirty five hundred dollars to do. So I took the, this house that was maybe worth a hundred thousand dollars finished, and because I put a bathroom and did some other special things and used force appreciation, instead of selling it for one fifty, I can now sell it for two hundred thousand. So in my opinion, uh, doing fix and flips is better, but that's my opinion and that's for me personally because I know how to all do all those things and I have the background for it and I know what I'm doing. And so doing a fix and flip, you can make way more money per transaction. And when I say make way more money, I actually know of a guy, um, he lives in Los Angeles he flips houses. He flips luxury houses in Los, in Beverly Hills. And um, I heard a podcast or an interview of him or something like this. And he actually cleared $1 million on one fix and flip deal. Now, that sounds like a really sweet, right? A million bucks. Well, it is real sweet. Um, it, it took a lot of legwork. It was a foreclosure in Beverly Hills. He bought it at the foreclosure and he bought the house 
and it was supposed to come with all the land. Well, the bank screwed up when they foreclosed on the house, and actually the house where it sat was different. So the house where it sat was one legal parcel, and then all of the grounds the house was surrounded by, so like the yard, was a different legal parcel. So the bank foreclosed on these people, and they just foreclosed on the parcel that included the house, but they didn't include, they didn't foreclose on the grounds, and then they sold this guy the house, and in the contract, the grounds were in there, but the bank didn't own the grounds to sell. So he had to actually, like, take the bank and the, the guy that got foreclosed on to court, and the court case went on for nine months, even though it was obvious he, it was obvious that he was, like, in the right. It was obviously the bank screwed up. Took the bank to court for nine months. Finally got the house. And the house was expensive, obviously, still, even though we bought it out of foreclosure because it was a multi-million dollar house. Um, he's not investing his own money, obviously, as investors. So um, he had to buy the house, do all the demo, fix the place up, and get it sold, which I believe took about 15 months. So now we're into this for what? About almost like a little over two years. And while the construction was going on, his interest payments per month alone, I believe, were somewhere in the neighborhood of $25,000. And then each month he was doing about thirty dollars to $50,000 of construction work. So that's like a lot of money on the line. So he made a million bucks, uh, which is a lot of money. So that's like $500,000 a year. That's like really good. But obviously it was a tough road. The guy knows what he's doing. He's been doing a, uh, fix and flips for a long time. Uh, before that, he built new houses, did some developments. So you have to know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, you can literally make a fucking killing. I mean, a million dollars in two years, that's that's $500,000 a year. And by the way, that he had other deals going on the whole time. So he's doing multiple deals. And he's had other ones where he's made five or 700000 So um, a million a million dollars, that's a lot of money, obviously, to anyone. Um so that's kind of a fun story. Um, but, you know, there's people all over the place that make a couple hundred thousand dollars per deal. I would say like the average, the benchmark um, for a normal house um, is between twenty five and eighty five thousand dollars. Now, the other thing like like that story. Th your pool of buyers for somewhere like Beverly Hills, like a five or seven or ten million dollar house, your pool of buyers is like so small that if you're doing fix and flips, really what you want to do is like, you want to like flip houses that are kind of like at the top of the bell curve of like what people want, because you don't want to like have a house that's going to sit on the market for like a long, long time. So here in Omaha, everything pretty much flies off the shelves until you get over like 550. Once you get over $550,000, you have a hard time selling things because in Omaha, like a $700,000 house and a million dollar house, there's like not a ton of difference. So once you get to like a 550 or a 600, you can like get anything you want to. Um, so just like if you're going to get into this, like be real careful with that. There's a lot to learn to flipping. So if you want to get into flipping, I would suggest that you like partner with someone the first time. Um if you don't know how to do construction, partner with someone who knows how to can do, do construction. If you don't know how to like raise funds or you don't have any money, obviously you need to find somebody to partner with with money. But I would say overall, like the pros of flipping houses is you can make a lot of money. 
the cons is like everything else. So the cons is obviously it's real stressful. So um, a couple years ago, we owned like four houses at one time. That was stressful because like every month when you're writing like tens of thousands of dollars of like checks for like payment of interest, checks for like construction, and you like see your accounts like dwindle, uh, it gets like really scary and it gets really stressful. Also, um, we had a house that like ran way over budget. And when I say way over budget, I'm talking about like $50,000 over budget. So when you budget something for like a hundred grand and that you're getting up to 150 grand and you're not done with the house, you start panicking and it gets really bad. So even though you're like using other people's money, it's like if you fuck up really badly, you could end up losing their money, which means you're going to have to pay them back somehow. You could like end up losing everything you own. So there's that. The other thing is it's hard to find deals that fit. So right now, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I can make deals fit that like a lot of people can't. So right now I'm looking at a deal. It's in like a part of town with a good school district. That's that's kind of like a place where like a lot of people want to move because they can send their kids to this like good public schools. They don't have to go to private school. And the other thing is it's a, an area of town where people like buy houses and they tear them down and they build brand new ones. So the house I'm looking at buying is like on a half acre lot. It's a ranch. It's a brick ranch. It's a one car garage. It's fairly small. It's like 1500 square feet on the main level it has an unfinished basement, but it is a fucking shithole. I mean, it is rough. And when I say rough, if I buy this thing, I'm going to have to get a demo company to completely take all the walls down on the inside, all the plaster, lath and plaster, take all the flooring up. Um, and that's just to get it to where I can like start doing construction on it. So this thing is like $200,000. This is like the best deal I'm finding right now. And it has horrific termite damage. So I'm, I'm going to have to go like stud by stud. Uh, or my framers are going to have to go stud by stud and like replace the ones that are rotten, which is going to be lots of them. They're going to have to replace like half the joists, the floor, the floor joists. They're going to have to like put new decking on the floors so we can walk in there. I walked it two days ago. I felt like I was going to fall through the floors. Um, so off the, oh, and there's a huge hole in the roof that's leaking all the way into the basement. The, um, the roof, I believe is like asbestos shingle tile. So it has to go, number one. And number two, like a hazmat company has to, like, dispose of it. So um, all that has to go. And then in order to make any money, because the house is too small for the area, right? There's brand new, like, mansions there. So in order to get any money out of it, I'm going to have to put an addition on, make it a two-story from a ranch. Make it a Cape Cod is what I think I'm going to do. And then it only has a one-car garage. Well, like, there's five car garages in the house. So I'm going to have to like make, make it two cars wide and then make, make it two cars deep on the side. So it'll be a three car garage. I also have to take down like half the trees on the lot because half the trees are dead. And there's a shed in the back I'm going to have to demolish. Um, so it's going to be like a massive undertaking. Um, it's probably going to cost the house is going to, I can maybe get for 190. I'm going to have to put probably 150 grand into it. So I'm going to be in it for like 385, but it's worth it'd be worth maybe 585 or 600. So it's like that's the best deal I can find and it's a fucking huge ordeal. It's going to be more complicated than building a new house. 
But the problem now is like you can't, it's hard to make any money in new construction where I'm at because we're landlocked. There's nowhere to go that isn't a floodplain. So the lots everywhere else, even in this neighborhood, the lots are over 200 grand. So I'm going to get basically a lot with a shitty house I'm going to have to demo half of. Oh yeah, that also needs all new windows. And that's the best deal. So good deals are really hard to find. Like the, the one I'm working on right now is legitimately a smoking deal because I'm like doing nothing to it. I'm just painting it, carpeting it, new tile. So deals are hard to find. Um, it's also when you're starting out, it's hard to find money to like fund your deals because you don't have a track record. You know, no one's going to like give you $200,000 to go uh, put an addition on a house if they, if, if you're like, oh, this is my, my first time out of the gate. So it's really hard to like find a money person in the beginning. Once you get going, people are going to want to lend you money left and right. Like I have a Rolodex of people that would want to lend me money. I'm always looking though. So if you want to get involved and you want, you have money on the sideline, you want to invest, I can give you double digit returns. So contact me. The other thing is like construction management is a skill. Like you need to have a corral of guys that can do work for you and you need to be able to control them because they're independent contractors and they think that, well, they can do whatever they want to do. So they have to be properly motivated and properly controlled. And they're not your employee, but you need to get results out of them. So construction management's a skill. And I always tell people, like, it looks like fun on TV, but you have to, like, know what you're doing. You can get into, like, a lot. There's so many problems flipping houses that you're going to encounter. You really need to, like, know what you're doing. So, and the only way to know what you're doing is to, like, have experience. The other con, I know the list of cons are really long. The other con is um, you, when you flip houses, it's it's the taxes, it's taxed as like a short-term gain. So like the tax rate's pretty high. So you definitely need like the right legal structure to do it. And you need the right people. Uh, you need the right team of, of accountants and like tax attorneys and tax people to make sure that you're, you're not going to get eaten alive. And then the other thing is like when you have a when you have a setback and you you get hit, the hits hurt bad and they can hurt bad for like years. So here's what I'm talking about. So we had a situation where, and this like pisses me off to my core. We had this house and it was close to the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and it was close to like a big public park. And the house was so adorable. It like just people were like ripping their face off to like look at this place, literally ripping their face all the way off their skull. It was a mess. Um, but this house, like it popped, like the pictures, it looks like something out of a magazine. It's just really cool. Walking distance to this park, a great street. It had a huge driveway, which this part of town, like there's no parking in. Had a huge driveway, a two-car detached garage. It was just gorgeous, totally gorgeous. But the problem is <clears throat> we staged the house, which usually staging makes the house sell fast. The problem was like the, the main floor living room was like really small. And with it staged, it looked really small. Like you've, you're like, oh my God, this is so small. How am I going to get my shit in here? So like we literally like blew the tops of our feet off because we shot ourselves in the foot fucking staging this house when it would, we didn't even need to. <clears throat> we thought we could, we thought we were going to make like 70 grand on it. 
after everything was said and done, we made like 26 grand and I had to put a fucking new roof on it, which pisses me off. <clears throat> so I was like, well, I thought I was going to make like 75 grand. I only made 25 grand. I have another like project in the pipeline that I can't sell like fund from the proceeds of this flip. So I have to go like borrow more money, which I wasn't, I wasn't calculating that much like interest payments for like the flip after that. So the fact that I didn't sell this for as much as I thought I could get or, I, and the problem was like we panicked and we dropped the price too fast. And then people were like, well, they obviously need to sell it. So we just fucked ourselves all around. So it created like a ripple effect that like bled into my other projects and it was my own fault, but it like setbacks like that in flipping. It's like, it took like six months to get everything figured out. But if you know what you're doing, you can make a ton of money. So if it's something that you like want and you have to be passionate about it, you have to like doing it. Like I love doing it. I, I think I would like almost, I wouldn't say I'd like do it for free, but I, I really enjoy it. I like enjoy the, it makes me like feel good. I like to, makes me feel good to like improve like a property, which improves like the neighborhood, which like improves my town. That's the way I look at it. Cause I take like the worst house on the block and I make it cool. Um, so you have to like have a passion for it. <clears throat> it's not like a get rich scheme, you know, like people on TV, like people always ask me about it. <clears throat> and they're like, God, you like probably like make so much money doing it and blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's just like on TV, like the shit you see on TV that like people are getting highlighted on TV, like they make a, like a lot of money, but like your normal person on the street, like I make like a, you know, an upper middle class, like living doing it, but I'm not making like tens of millions of dollars a year. I live in a fucking city of 700,000 people. So there's only so many houses. But I still make more money than like most people where I live. Um, <clears throat> but it's not like a get quick scheme. I mean, it's just a regular, it's just like any other business, you know, I'm just making a fucking product and selling it. So, um, don't look at it as like, I'm going to do this and like get rich. Cause you're not, um, it's just like, it's just like doing new construction. It's actually harder than like being a new construction builder because you have to like, every situation is different. But anyway, that's like my idea of for the week is flipping houses. I do think flipping houses is like a, a a good way to make money. And if you're good at it, if you can like scale up and do a couple a year, you know, like let's say your average is between 25 and like 80 grand a year. Well, like let's say you like do four a year at 50 grand, that's $200,000. Um, and like if you live in a like hot market, you can like, you know, I know people who do it in Atlanta and they make like a hundred grand every time without trying. So it's totally doable. And there's lots of resources to look into to, uh, to get started. But that's my idea of the day. Now here's a, my, uh, deal for sale of the app. And I really like this. I've like been looking at this and looking at it and looking at it <clears throat> and I'll get into why I like it. Well, I like this business. I don't, I'm not so sure that I love this specific company for sale. It's okay. It doesn't like get me super hard, but what it is, is it's a, uh, 
a septic company in the Florida Panhandle. Now, I like Florida because they don't have any income tax, which is good. They're asking $1.75 million for this. It cash flows $730,000, and that's on a gross revenue of $2.2 million. The company was started in 2012. It's a septic company that has straightforward financials and a recent fleet of late model equipment. They have 12 employees. They're doing, they're offering a seller financing. They're also offering the seller is willing to stay on for a month at no cost. I think we can do better than that. <clears throat> and the reason for selling, I don't like either. It says other interests. I don't know what that means. Um, so I don't like the reason for selling, but this is what they do is they do septic. They pump septic tanks. So if you don't know what that means, um, places that don't have like city sewer, um, when you flush the toilet, it doesn't go into the pipes, into the city water, into the uh, waste system of the city. It goes into a holding tank called the septic tank. You have to pay a septic company to come pump that tank every so often. And this is what that company does. Now, in places where like septic tanks are all over the place, uh, you have to... If you have a septic tank, you have to like get it pumped every so often, and it's going to be like on a schedule. So depending on the usage, let's say you have to get it pumped four times a year. Well, if you own a septic company in, a, in an area where like most people or a lot of people have septic systems uh, or other things, maybe you might be pumping out um, uh, temporary toilets, things like that. Uh, you could be pumping out like um, RV parks. Lots of things like that. So like one septic company can have like thousands and thousands and thousands of accounts. And like you're not going to have very much competition. Okay. And this is a dirty job. This is a dirty, filthy, nasty job that not a lot of people are going to want to do. But that's good because I always say you get paid for things that other people can't do and other people aren't willing to do. This is a job not a lot of people are willing to do and you can make good money at it. So uh, that is the deal of the week, which I think is great. Not, I think the idea, uh, I think the business is good. I don't think the specific one is that great. I don't really like the numbers that much. Um, but I do like where it's located, and I do like the idea. If you're interested in this specific one, and a lot of times, like, um, when you're looking for a business for sale, uh, one thing to consider is... Um, what a broker usually like brokers business brokers will like have a niche like we talk about with everything so if you see something like this and you're like yeah i like i want to get into like this uh the sanitation game i like the septic thing um this guy who has this listed it's his name's daryl jones he's with Transworld business brokers of central florida he has this one listed on public sites. He probably has other companies similar to this that he has listed or he knows the owners want to sell that's not listed. So this might be Daryl's little niche that he's working. So um, if you're interested in this business or something similar, give my boy Daryl Jones at Trans World Business Brokers of Central Florida a phone call. You can be reached at 407-745-0495. And we're just going to pause for station identification.
Okay, sorry about that. Having some technical issues, so please hold. Sorry about that, having some technical issues. It happens, get over it. So I'm just gonna move on to my three critiques. Actually, this week I got four, that's fine. Um, one of them isn't really like a, a critique of a specific like business startup, but um, uh, my nephew, let's say, or cousin, I'm not gonna get into details, was asking me about like getting into the trades, like a career in the trades. And I think that that is a really good idea. If I could go back and do it all over again, I know that I'm contradicting myself here a little bit, but that's all right. I'm allowed to do that. If I could go back, um, instead of going to college, which I had no, I personally, I had no business being there. And that's why like I got into so much trouble in college because there was like no reason for me to be there. I already knew how to like make money. I already was personable. I could already work with other people. I could already like network. Um, I, I just feel like that, like it wasn't a good place for me. And their thing is like, I was thinking about this today. Like I had a buddy when I was in college and he was like getting an English degree and he was like a salesman and he was good at sales. So it's like, dude, you already know how to be a salesman. You don't need a fucking English degree. What are you going to go be an English teacher? You don't want to do that. I know you don't want to do that because your, your actions tell me you don't want to do it. And then I had like another friend. I had like a bunch of friends in college and there was no reason for them to be there because they didn't know what they wanted to be. They got degrees that didn't get them like, didn't get them careers. They just like got jobs. And it was like the jobs that they got and like me too, like the job that I got out of college was a fucking joke. I didn't make any money. It was just a burner job. It was just a job that these corporations like give to like fresh out of high, uh, college kid, fresh kids that are just fresh out of college. That It's just like, I was just like doing telemarketing. I mean, it was fucking stupid. But if you get a trade, if you ha like get a job in the trades, you have a skill you can like use for your entire life. So like, I wish that I would have like been a plumber because I would have been making money. I would have been learning. I could have still partied. I could have had more fun partying because I would have had money. And I'd be like really learning something and I wouldn't have been, been like racking up tons of debt. And I would have not fucked around as much because I knew I would have to get up and go to work the next day. Or like I would be like, well, I have to like work on Monday so I can't like get totally obliterated every weekend because I'm going to like pay for it when I'm like digging trenches on Monday. And then like, not only that too, like when you have a trade, like you have like a culture, like your other like plumbing buddies, like the guys that you like see at the union hall or whatever, like you have like friends to like hang out with, you know, um, obviously I have friends in college or whatever, but I mean, it's like different. It's like a different kind of camaraderie, the guys that you're like working with, you know, um, and the other thing too, is like when you're in the trades, like you can like make a lot of money. You know, I knew guys when I was in college, when I was like 21, they were plumbers and they were making over a hundred grand a year when they were 21, they had houses, they had cars, their life, their life was already started. And I was just spinning my tires, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up. You can be a plumber. And then after you're a plumber, be like, I don't want to fucking do that anymore. I want to sell real estate or I want to do this or I want to do that. 
but you can always go back to plumbing because you like know it. So, and not necessarily like plumbing, but plumbing's good. Any like skilled trade is good to like do. It's good to know. You're never going to be like without a job. Even if the economy takes a total shit, if, if your basement's filling up with sewage, you're going to call a plumber, you know, uh, if your lights don't work, you're going to call an electrician. If, you know, if your power doesn't work, if your air conditioner goes out, you're going to call an HVAC guy. You're not going to try to fucking figure it out yourself. So, and those jobs are not going away. Um, those jobs can't be automated by the way. You can never automate what a plumber does or an electrician or a carpenter because the machine, first of all, like you couldn't program a machine to do what like a skilled tradesman can do. It's not like driving a nail into something or like attaching a door, like a metal door to like a metal car or like shaving like a piece of metal off something in a factory on assembly line. You know, you're like problem solving and like adjusting things on the fly uh, whenever you're like doing stuff. So th those things can never be automated. They're never going to go away. You also can't like teach people from like the third world, like how to like plumb or how to do uh, electrical or like HVAC because they have to be able to like comprehend English to learn it, right? So those are like pretty well like insulated jobs that are never going to go away. So I'm like a real advocate for people getting like involved in the, tr in the uh, skilled trades. So that's a yes for me. Um, so the next one is somebody opening that where I live, they want to open a mechanic shop. Um, I'm fine with that. I think that, I think that there's like a lot of opportunity there because there's like a lot of like small jobs that like a mechanic shop can do where you don't necessarily need like, um, diagnostic machines, shit like that, like changing brakes, doing this, doing that. Um, the old neighborhood I used to live in, live in, there was like a two brothers that had a mechanic shop, like right kind of like on the boundary of our neighborhood. And that place was like swamped all the time. They had tons of business all the time. I think it's good if you can like do a niche, you know, like maybe um, you do like mufflers or like specifically you do brakes or like specifically transmissions. But I think that like a mechanic shop, it's like tough to go wrong unless you mismanage it. So mechanic shop, I like that's a yes. The third one I love, it's buying a junkyard. And I think that like buying a junkyard could be really, really good. A guy that my dad went to high school with uh, bought a junkyard in Nevada and everyone like after high school and like everyone thought he was like totally insane. He's like a multi-fucking millionaire because people give him their garbage and then he sells their garbage to other people. And I mean, it just works out really good. And so uh, junkyard, for those of you who don't know, for what we're talking about, it is uh, a place where people will sell their car for like the scrap price um, the junkyard usually will like scrap the car out. They might strip the cars of like any useful um, parts and then resell the used parts. Um, a junkyard could also be um, they buy cars and then like sell the cars for scrap metal uh, or they buy and sell scrap metal. So that's kind of different. That's more of a scrap metal yard. But for what we're talking about, a junkyard is um, buying cars that are crashed or no good anymore and then parting them out. I think that could be really good. Um, you have to think about like not having tons of competition. You have to think about like where you're at, how you're going to be selling the stuff. 
things like that. But I think it could be good. Um, there's always like a, a market for like used car parts. So just from my own life, one of my friends bought like an old F-150, not old, but like a 2001 F-150. And the bed of it was like rusted out, but he didn't want to like pay to have the rust repaired because it was like absurdly expensive. So he was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go to like, a, I'll just go to a junkyard and buy like an, another bed because there's a million F-150s on the road. There has to be like a bed. So he ended up just buying like this bed. It was like 400 bucks. But if he wanted to like repair the rust on the bed that was already on his truck, it was like, I don't know, like a thousand dollars. So he's like, fuck it. I'll just get a new bed. Worked out great. You know, um, and then the fourth idea is, um, I know somebody, they want to switch careers and go to like school to be a hairdresser. Um, I really like that. I think you can like do really well as a hairdresser. If you can build up your book of business, um, women spend an obscene amount of money on their hair. Um, they do all kinds of crazy shit. I like get a haircut maybe like twice a, a year, um, I just, I try to keep it halfway reasonable, but like a lot of times, like I said earlier in this episode, it's like, I'm just like working at a flip. I'm just like doing construction. So I'll like let my hair get like pretty out of control and I wear a hat every day. So I just slick my hair like straight back, but females get like, they, they like get their hair cut. Well, they all, I guess they don't get their hair cut. They get it like dyed and like this and that. And like, there's some shit, my sister's a hairdresser and it's like, some of the stuff is like 125 bucks that they have done to their hair. If someone said, if I want a haircut and someone was like, oh, it's over $20, I would like walk the fuck out. I wouldn't even do that. So I think that the hairdresser, I mean, that's really good. Uh, you also make a lot of money like selling products. I know that they like, yeah, like you can only get certain things like from a stylist or whatever. The other thing that I really love that I've seen before that I was like thinking about buying one of these, but I guess you like have to have a beautician's license in Nebraska. But what it is, is it's a, a business that is just a bunch of bays that this woman who's a hairdresser, she owns all these bays and then she just rents out the bays to the beauticians. They don't work for her. She's just basically like, a, like the landlord of this place. And they have their own business set up in like each bay that they rent. And it's like, that's a pretty like damn good business because you're just collecting rent. And the people that are there aren't going to leave because once they, they're, um, once their clients are like used to going there and it works out for them or whatever, uh, they're just going to stay. So I think that's a really good too. So I think there's like a tons of different angles you can go with, uh, being a hairstylist. So I like all of them, um, so I guess this is like four likes in a row, which is pretty impressive for me. So, in closing, I just appreciate you guys stopping by. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, I don't think I record with Anchor FM. I don't think you can like do any audio. Um, I don't think I can like fix that. So I think you're just gonna have to like. I appreciate you guys sitting through. I'll try not to do that again. But I was so fired up with the '80s rock. The flipping, the business for sale, I went over a little bit on time, and that's why we had the technical issues, so I will try not to go over on time again in the future. But appreciate you guys stepping, <clears throat> stopping by. Please share the show. That really helps me a lot. <clears throat> and also connect with me on Facebook. Um, 
I was doing Instagram a little bit, but I don't like to have time to fuck with that. So just connect with me on Facebook. So anyway, until next time, see ya.